the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to today's edition of The Plumb Line, brought to you by Reasons for Hope, training and equipping a new generation to stand boldly on the Word of God. You can find information about them at r4h.com. That's the letter R, then F-O-R-H.com. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph, and I'll be joined by the Executive Director of Denison Forum, Mark Terman, today as we talk about civility from a biblical worldview. You can reach out to me to share your thoughts or comments about the broadcast anytime, or just connect to say hi at this email, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Plum is P-L-U-M-B, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Support for The Plum Line is provided by these fine business sponsors. EPS Wealth Management of Phoenix, who serves clients in several states. Call them for a no-cost, no-obligation conversation about your financial concerns. 623-537-3657. Support for The Plum Line is also provided by Simple Turn. Their online health resources teach your kids how health really works and how to avoid 90% of chronic disease. Get your family's free health course at mysimpleturn.com. And by Charles McLucas, Jr., founder and CEO of Charitable Trust Administrators, Inc. Learn about the benefits of a charitable remainder trust at ctai-ca.com. Life can be tough, and sometimes we all need a helping hand. That's where Integrity Counseling Group comes in. At Integrity, we're not just counselors. We're your companions on the journey of healing. We believe in restoring connections with yourself, with your loved ones, and with your faith. With three welcoming locations in Mission Valley, Carlsbad, and San Marcos, plus convenient telehealth services across California, we're right by your side, San Diego. Visit us at integritycounselinggroup.com or call us anytime at 760-283-7000. On today's edition of The Plum Line, I'm your host, Jay Rudolph, and I am excited to be joined once again by Mark Terman, the Executive Director of Denison Forum. And looking forward to discussing a book that was put forth by uh, Jim Dennison called Respectfully I Disagree, How to Be a Civil Person in an Uncivil Time. And I don't know how long it's been since this was uh, released. I'll find that out from Mark in a second here. But this certainly is very timely for the age that we're living in today. And so uh, welcome to the broadcast, Mark. Nice to have you back on. Jay, great to be with you. Thanks for the opportunity to share some. Uh, came out in mid-2020, I believe, just after we were all trying to get our hearts and minds and lives wrapped around what it meant to be in a pandemic season and some of the other events of 2020. And so we've revised it some, but it's still pretty fresh material in terms of where we are as a nation and as a society. 
Yeah, I'm just thinking back to the pandemic time period. And, you know, right around then, maybe a little before then, it seemed like that's when things really started to unravel in regards to the topic here that we're going to be discussing. And it really hasn't been all that long. You know, there's always been some lack of civility, but the the discourse has gotten worse and worse. And just the shutting down of people's viewpoints and canceling, uh, the whole cancel culture thing hasn't been, that's not very old, that's relatively new. And And that's kind of what Jim is seeking to address with this, right? Yes, and it seems to be not only pervasive in our culture, but it seems to be intensifying. There are some things that seem to be moderating. You know, I heard several commentators in the last couple of months indicating that some aspects of the cancel culture may have worn themselves out so that people are feeling like they can express opposing ideas without being totally maliciously attacked, but they're still. You don't have to go very far to find multiple examples of how tribal we've become, how partisan we've become, and not simply that we are disagreeing about particular issues or even people of personalities, that type of thing, but we have in very significant ways demonized the person that we oppose, and we no longer see them as an opponent. We see them as an enemy. We see them in a very real way as a threat. In fact, I was reading some research just a a week or two ago that indicated that, you know, normally a decade or two ago, if you met a new person in any kind of a setting at the coffee shop or at the post office or at the car wash, about 75% of us viewed that as an opportunity, an opportunity to meet a new person, to hear a new story, possibly to make a new friend. Well, now, a decade or two later, That number has dropped below 50%. And now instead of meeting a new person, seeing that as an opportunity and it's something to be intrigued and excited about, we now see new people in a fearful kind of way. We see them as a threat. And that's where a lot of our culture has led us. That's where a lot of our fear and our anger and our frustration has led us. We're no longer civil in a lot of conversations. We no longer feel safe generally around other people. And that's something that's led to a great deal of difficulty in being able to conduct a civil democratic society where we can have differing views and differing beliefs and still learn to live peaceably with each other. Mm. You know, in our society today, I kind of wonder if the majority of our population doesn't even know what civility is, what what it means. Well, yeah, I think you're right. I know that Historians and others used to say about the Civil War, I don't know why we call it the Civil War. There was nothing civil about it. <laughs> right. But certainly that applied in that conversation, you know, 150 or so odd years ago. But we've lost this idea of being fundamentally respectful of each other, of being fundamentally considerate of each other. And, you know, there's certainly stereotypical jokes and descriptions of that in our culture. We talk about Southern charm as opposed to the kind of abrasive sometimes uh, characteristics of those who might live in the North. None of those things have ever been 100% true. You know, I've been to New York, I've been to Washington, I've been to other major cities outside the South, and I never felt like I was treated in any particularly bad way. And yet at the same time, it just seems as though We have lost a great deal of just fundamental respect for other human beings as human beings. From a Christian perspective, we need to regain and we have an opportunity to witness to that we believe that every person 
is a person who carries the image of God, what they call the Imago Dei, that every person is a reflection of the very essence of who God is, that we are all made in his image, and therefore we are all valuable, and we are all important. We all are worthy of respect. We're worthy of kindness. We're worthy of courtesy. And really, the Christian community has an enormous opportunity here to demonstrate that just by being kind and courteous, what we call in a broad sense civility in any and every interaction, whether you're driving through to you know pick up food for your family in a fast food restaurant or you're standing in a line making a purchase, wherever it might be, how you're driving your car down the road and you know giving people room to get into the traffic lane that you're in. Those are just basic fundamental ways of being civil and of being respectful and kind to others. Yeah, you know, an example, and I'm kind of working through Jim Dennison's uh, book here as we discuss this together, and it's interesting to me that even the dictionary has caved into the problem here, and that it used to be a couple of definitions of civility were orderly behavior, good citizenship, and propriety and decency, which seemed to hit the nail right on the head, but those are now obsolete according to the Oxford English Dictionary. Apparently they've dropped those, and so that's maybe part of the reason why people don't, and I guess nobody really uses the dictionary anymore nowadays, but I guess to say that's maybe why people don't know what civility is, but who looks at the dictionary anymore now anyways? So it seems as though we get our definitions from what culture says they are, don't we? Well, and we're rewarding just the opposite in many ways. You know, I'm glad that we're doing this kind of a conversation and we're using this kind of a platform to do it. We've been living now for quite a few years in the age of shock jocks and the more aggressive and the more rude and the more confrontational that people can be uh, in various media outlets, that seems to drive their ratings up as if that was something good to do. Kind of, I'm going to get in your face the first opportunity I get. And that's completely opposite to the model that we see in Jesus. And so we're not teaching the importance of civility and the importance of respect and regard for each other. In fact, we're rewarding on a massive level through social media and through other news networks and other platforms. We're rewarding the exact opposite behavior of I'm going to put you in your place. I'm going to cancel your view and your opinion and your idea if I don't agree with it. And I'm going to show you in some ways how tough I am by being as rude as I possibly can be. And instead of teaching civility, honor, respect, consideration, we're honoring and respecting just the opposite. Mm. Yeah, and the scriptures, as you said, have a lot to say about civility, and we want to take a look at some of those and break those down. And one of the things that Jim starts with is why is civility so vital for Christians? And it really comes down to our testimony. If we are people who lack civility, we are giving a poor testimony and really not showing at all that we know Jesus Christ, are we? Yeah, and the way I like to talk about this, Jay, is is, uh, when I think of civility, this came out of a conversation I had with another Christian leader a few days ago, When I think of civility, I think of the fruit of the Spirit, and that the fruit of the Spirit for us as believers always needs to be in season. It always needs to be in harvest. There's not a single context for us as Christians in which we can say, well, okay, that's not my spiritual life anymore. This is something else. This is my business life, or this is my political life, or 
whatever the case might be. Therefore, I don't need to bring my faith and the indications, the traits, the fruits of the Spirit that are to mark my life. I don't bring them into this realm. That is absolutely unbiblical in terms of how we ought to think. And there is no environment that we can get in, even the most difficult environment in our world, in our culture, in which we don't need to live out civility, because civility is really a synonym for Christ-like character, for Christ-like action, for what the Bible describes as the fruit of the Spirit in the book of Galatians chapter 5. We're using a secular term, or just a, a common term, civility, for something that the Bible describes with great depth. And Jesus modeled this for us in every conversation, and we need to follow his example. Because as Peter says, you know, when Peter is talking to us near the end of the Bible out of his letter to all of these Christians who were dispersed across a wide territory, he says, be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. Now, that's a great command that we have the living, powerful hope of Christ in our life. And when God gives us opportunities, we ought to pray for those opportunities. When God puts them in front of us, that we ought to be ready to answer, to tell people why we have hope, even when the world is as broken, as confused, and as conflicted as it is, we never give up our hope. We have a bright and living and vibrant hope, and that's because of who Jesus is. But then the very next part of that verse is to say that we do that with gentleness and respect, that we honor the person that we get to speak with or the group that we're speaking to, even if they don't agree, even if they are unkind and uncivil toward us, we're still going to be Christ-like and careful and gentle with them because the way that we love them through that conversation is the thing that they will remember the most. Yeah, and that's very challenging to do, and we're going to address that some more as the program continues here as we discuss this whole aspect of civility and specifically looking at a book, a resource put out by Dr. Jim Dennison of Dennison Forum called Respectfully I Disagree, How to Be a Civil Person in an Uncivil Time. My guest is Dr. Mark Terman, the Executive Director of the Dennison Forum, and I'm excited to have him joining me once again. Stick around out there. We're going to continue Lots more to come on the first of a two-part series on this subject. You can reach me and share your thoughts or comments, questions, if you have those about the broadcast. You can share some support as well with this listener-supported radio ministry when you email Radio at gmail.com. I can direct you how to do that. Plum is P-L-U-M-B, Radio at gmail.com. We'll be right back. Open Door Financial was founded with the inspiration of using biblical wisdom to create financial plans and investment strategies that lead to financial peace and build the kingdom of God. We guide families and small business owners on how to save money, reduce taxes, get out of debt, build enough retirement income, and be more generous. We help you discover God's plan for your finances and fulfill your God-given dreams and purpose. Call Jason Bat at Open Door Financial at 619-794-7133. That's 619-794-7133 or visit opendoor-financial.com. Securities and advisory services offered through Centaurus Financial, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC, a registered broker-dealer and registered investment advisor. 
Open Door Financial and Centaurus Financial are not affiliated entities. Hey, I'm with Michael Ross, the creator of Revelator Games. Michael, can you tell us why you developed this unique game? Sure. Let me just clarify something. So it's a small group Bible study activity with a board game element to it. I created the game because I myself personally delight in God's word, you know, through scripture memorization. So I created this game so that we can, one, memorize scripture, but also have fun while we're doing it. Mm, The Remain game and more, you can check out Mike's products at revelatorgames.com. Thanks for joining me for The Plum Line. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph. On the broadcast today, Dr. Mark Terman, my guest, Executive Director of Denison Forum. Talking kind of broadly about civility from a biblical worldview. And we're going to head to some scripture that Dr. Denison brings up in this resource that we're discussing. Philippians 2 comes up pretty quickly here. It's uh, verses 15 and 16 that I'll highlight here, though you can draw in the context for me if you would, Mark. But here the Apostle Paul writing to the Philippians says that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Whenever I read that, it reminds me that, you know, as bad as we think this generation is or the time that we're living in, uh, it's nothing, nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. It's been bad for all of history since, um, since man uh, chose to sin. Uh, Continuing on, though, it says, Among whom you shine as lights in the world. There's our job as Christians, to shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. So share some thoughts on how that that seems to fit in very well with our discussion here. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. And it reminds me that Paul probably had opportunity to have somebody tell him what Jesus talked about in what we call the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, where Jesus says to his followers, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. Now, I don't know if they had written it down or not, but some of those early believers that actually heard Jesus say that must have conveyed that to Paul. Maybe that's what's in his mind as he's writing to his friends in the church at Philippi, that he uses that same idea of light in the midst of darkness, that they are showing themselves to be children of God. What an incredible identity marker that is. You know, we live, Jay, in a time where people have so many struggles when it comes to understanding their identity, who they are and why they are here and where they came from and what their purpose is. So many people struggle with that, and that's part of the reason that they're being uncivil to others is because they don't have a clarity about their identity. They don't know what it means to be in Christ and to be able to legitimately say, I am a child of God. I have been made by him. I've been forgiven, redeemed, and adopted back into his family by faith in Christ. And because of that, I don't have to be insecure. I don't have to be uncivil. I don't have to defeat the person in front of me or the people around me that seem to disagree with me, I am secure in my identity as a child of God, and I can express that by being like Jesus was. I can be loving. I can be forgiving. I love what he's indicating here. It's not completely obvious, but if you look at the passage carefully, he says in the previous verse, don't argue or grumble. Instead, you can live in such a way without the arguing and be a person who is blameless and someone who is pure. Those are 
pointing toward not the opinion of the people that we're talking to. Rather, that is the assessment that God gives us when we live in obedience to him and we treat each other with love, kindness, respect, goodness, honor, and civility. Who's the one that ultimately determines whether or not we're doing that or not? Well, that's not the other people around us. That's God. That's the Holy Spirit. And that's the word of God evaluating our lives. And he's telling us that when we do that, we are presenting ourselves as something countercultural to this world. We no longer look like the broken, fault-filled, and crooked generation that we're living in. We actually can shine by contrast as, hey, there's a different way to live. There's a better way to treat people. And we're doing that not so much to get people to, to like us. That's not the reason. The reason is, is because we want to honor God because every person is made in his image and therefore valuable. Mm, yeah, thank you. Well, Mark, as you and the listeners probably can guess here, I want to spend much more time on the solution and how we are to respond or act than on the problem itself. But I do want to address a little bit about kind of how we got here. And that's the opening of Jim Dennison's book, spends a, a chapter or two discussing just how we ended up where we're at. So we'll wrap up this first broadcast here by looking at that a bit. And then the entire second one, we're going to be focused much more heavily on how we are to respond, how we are to act as followers of Jesus Christ and, and his witnesses. And one of the things that I found kind of intriguing here is chapter two is entitled, Is America a Christian Nation? And I haven't been able to get through uh, reading through all of this yet, but uh, one thing that I thought maybe the reason this is kind of tying this in is that people will look back with fondness on the olden days and they'll say how much better things were. But as I said just a few moments ago, nothing new under the sun. And I don't feel like even though maybe our our founders had certainly goals and ideals to have Christianity be prominent in America. Well, those high ideals and things, they don't hold out, I guess. They don't last because it's it's individual relationship with Jesus Christ. There's no such thing as, you know, a, a nation being a Christian nation, is there? Well, it's a very complex term for sure. And I think commonly when we use the idea that America is a Christian nation, what we generally mean by that is, is that the majority of people in our society or within our nation hold to fundamental, basic Judeo-Christian beliefs. Often people would point in this to the Ten Commandments as kind of a framework for that, or again, Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. And people say, well, even if you're not Christian, you still believe in that kind of general framework for morality. And perhaps there were times in the previous centuries of our country where you could say that that was true of the majority of the people, perhaps. But there is really a great deal of difficulty and complexity to saying that any country is a Christian nation or a Muslim nation. Nations in and of themselves are, for the most part, not really able to be identified that way because Faith is an individual thing, and yes, it can be shared within a group. And when we look back to our founders, yes, you will see some very dedicated believers uh, in those experiences and in those conversations. But when you start looking at each individual in there, not every one of them could legitimately be described as a person of sincere Christian faith. We've had a lot of conversations about 
understanding the faith of Thomas Jefferson or understanding the faith of Benjamin Franklin and others that were in those conversations. Sometimes they had enormously powerful ideas, but they were not necessarily ideas that fully lined up with what the Bible teaches about what it means to be a Christian. And while there are many, many Christian principles woven into our founding documents and were exhibited by our founding fathers, we know that the American experiment also included in its very foundational conversations this respect for all people of faith, of all different kinds of faith, and people who had no faith at all. That we wanted to understand that unlike the world up until that time, we were going to be a nation that respected all people and allowed every person to pursue faith or no faith according to the dictates of their own conscience, what we call religious liberty. And we need to honor that because faith in its most important way can never be forced. Right. Amen. Thank you for drawing that in. And we're going to get into that a little bit more in the second broadcast here. But uh, I want to share a couple of quotes that Jim Dennison brings up uh, toward the end of the first part of this resource. And by the way, this is 125 or some pages, I think longer than that even, the book that we're addressing regarding civility by Dr. Jim Dennison. And so we're hardly going to scratch the surface on this. I would encourage you to uh, reach out to Dennison Forum and pick up a copy of that. In fact, uh, I don't, unfortunately, have it open in front of me, Mark. Is it denisonforum.org? Am I guessing correctly? Or Yes, that's right, denisonforum.org. Okay, good. I took a, took a good guess. So denisonforum.org, you can go there and certainly get a copy. But let me share these couple of quotes, and then we've got to close out this first edition. Uh, one of these comes from Chuck Colson, who says, The truth is that a virtuous society can be created only by virtuous people whose individual consciences guard their behavior and hold them accountable. And then uh, there's a popular paraphrase of a speech by Abraham Lincoln that is quoted here. America will never be destroyed from the outside if we falter and lose our freedom it will be because we destroyed ourselves. I think those are a couple that are good for us to ponder upon. I wish I had time to have you comment a little bit on those, Mark, but uh, we're going to have to wrap up here. I'll leave that in the mind of the listeners out there for them to ponder and think about that. And if you missed those uh, that I just shared here, well, you can find them by picking up the book, or you can also check out the podcast edition of The Plumb Line after the show airs on the radio. It goes up in podcast form at places like Spotify. So go to Spotify, for example, Put in the plumb line with Jay Rudolph, and you'll be able to find it there. My guest, Dr. Mark Turman, Executive Director of Denison Forum, and we will continue discussing the matter of civility from a biblical worldview on the next edition. So I hope you can join me then. We'll see you next time on The Plumb Line. The Plumb Line has been sponsored by Reasons for Hope. Check them out at r4h.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.